The Old Testament reading from Habakkuk 3. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk according to Shigunoth. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah, his glory, covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. The brightness was like the sun. Rays come forth from his hand where his power lay hidden. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed close behind. He stopped and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The eternal mountains were shattered along his ancient pathways. The everlasting hills sank low. I hear and I tremble within. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones and my steps tremble beneath me. I wait quietly for the day of calamity to come upon the people who attack us. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and exult in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights to the choir master with stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to God, O Lord. Mary got up, went quickly to a town in the mountains of Judah. She went to Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the unborn baby inside Elizabeth jumped. Elizabeth was filled with her Holy Spirit. She cried out in a loud voice, God has blessed you more than any woman. The Lord has blessed the baby which you will give birth to. You are the mother of my Lord, and you have come to me. Why has something so good happened to me? When I heard your voice, the baby inside me jumped with joy. You are blessed because you believed what the Lord said would really happen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see you. Um, I've been thinking a lot this week, not only of Advent, because we've been like hanging out in Advent, but I've had memories of when I was little, um, roughly at about this time of year, actually more towards Friday of this week. On Christmas Eve, my mom used to gather all of the kids together, and we'd all sit as a family. She'd pull out a journal, not like a write your daily thoughts journal, that would be weird, uh, but pulled out a family journal and would read it. And it was a recollection of the things that God had done, done in the history of our family. And it was always such a really, I mean, sometimes we were like, oh, let's not do this again. You know, like, aren't there pajamas to open up or something, those kind of presents? But by the end of it, after recalling all of these ways in which God had been active in our family's life, you tend to go, oh, I forgot that. Oh, I remember that. Oh, that's really amazing. 
And then you really go, that is amazing the way that God has interacted in our immediate history in the lives of our family. This recollection, this idea of memory is so important because life gets busy and we hurry on and we are very forgetful people. And yet this call to remember is something that is a very common theme throughout the whole entire Bible. And it is something that even with Advent, with this anticipation, there's an anticipation because we're recalling a history, a way that God has been interacting in the lives of his people. This is something that is very rich within the book of Habakkuk. And we've been hanging out with Habakkuk during Advent. Um, He has been kind of hanging out on my shoulder for the last three weeks. I've just been like really pondering him. And he's a bit annoying to me, actually. Um, I have found myself annoyed and a bit challenged because especially when we get to this third chapter, there's a proclamation of faith that he stands and boldly makes. And I look at it and go, I'm not sure I'm capable of making that same proclamation of faith. So he's been challenging me to really move in a way that is authentic, to make or to come to the same conclusions that he does. In this book, in Habakkuk, we've noticed how prayer is a practice of this relationship between God and his people. We see it specifically with this individual, with the prophet Habakkuk. And the song, kind of this whole book, has been one of lamenting, lamenting the things that are, that are not the way that they were created to be, and this gap between the ideal way that God has created the world and his people and the real lived experience of the world. That gap is the place of lament, and that is an aspect that is in this book. And then, of course, there's a remember God's character because you're remembering the one with whom you're having this conversation. And it ends up being the encounter with this God that is the transformative aspect, not always the shrinking or the solving of that gap that created the lament, but the encounter with God instead. So before we get to this particular chapter, we have to remember the whole, because this book, as most of the books of the Bible, is created and meant to be understood as an entire narrative, not little bits and pieces as we've been reading it on Sundays. So if you'll allow me just an opportunity to kind of rehearse where we've been over the last few weeks. So we started with Habakkuk, who... I imagine him shaking his fist towards the heavens and saying, look at the evil that is going on. Look at the things that society is doing. Look at the ways in which we are not adequately and properly being your people. God, where are you? And then God responds. And God says, I'm doing something. It's terrible. It's going to strike fear into your heart. It involves a bigger, more powerful nation, and they're coming. And then Habakkuk goes, a bit dramatic, like maybe out of proportion to what I was hoping you were going to do. 
but I know you, God. That can't be the right answer because you are a God of justice. You are a God who doesn't tolerate evil. How can you use an evil empire? So I'm going to stand here and wait in like persistent, stubborn waiting for you to really explain what's going on. And God says, ah, Habakkuk, that's not the end of the story. You see, I might be taking care of the injustices where you are, but there's a longer narrative at play and I am going to come and the evil nations will be stripped of their power and my justice will be known. Ball in your court, Habakkuk. And then we get chapter three. So this is where we're hanging out today and it's a song. It's a dramatic song. It's actually, it's poetry. And so anytime you're dealing with songs and poetry, you really have to see what is being said before you can sing or really imbibe this song that is supposed to be sung. Now, I, I call it a song because if you look at the very beginning of this chapter, it starts with a superscription. So it's like the little note to you, the reader. This is a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. And then it closes with a superscription, which is to the choir master. Right, so we're getting these little notes of how this is supposed to be sung. And then at the end of verse three, we get this selah, which is a word that is found all throughout the Psalter, where the Psalms like poke in this little selah, which is a moment for the audience, the community to respond, whether in silence or in a amen and amen selah. Right, so, it's, so we're getting in this poetry of chapter three, all of these indications that this is actually meant to be sung as a community. This has puzzled me for a bit. I get this as poetry, but as song? And this has been a conversation between an individual and God. So what's the community aspect of all of it? I've been kind of hanging out in these questions. So we're gonna get there, but let's first look at this imagery. So it starts this song, this poem that is meant to be sung by the community with another proclamation of Habakkuk saying, I know you, God. And it's because Habakkuk knows him, knows God, that he can come before God and keep pushing at this. So, oh Lord, this is in verse two. I have heard of your renown. I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. And then he makes this proclamation, in your wrath, remember mercy. A plea that only someone who actually fully understands the character of God can make. Because the merciful aspect of God is a covenantal quality of God. God who is always faithful in the covenant is always merciful in his covenant. So Habakkuk is going, this is what I know about you. So even in the wrath that is to come, remember this part of you which is merciful. So we start with this personal proclamation and now we're gonna change. And now Habakkuk paints for us a picture. And it's a picture in my very super active imagination, sits in a big gilded frame. 
And then Habakkuk is basically asking everyone who is singing the song to just step into that frame and just live out this action, this picture. It's like a moving picture of what's going on. And it's super dramatic because it's poetry and because it is like a huge, massive oil painting. So we have to look at what it is that Habakkuk is getting everyone to remember. So this is in verse 3. God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. These are good geographical terms, and they're supposed to make you go, ah, we're talking about the Exodus. Timon is down in the south, well, south of where Habakkuk is in the mountains of Judea, and in wilderness areas. Paran is in like Mount Sinai area. And by mentioning two geographical places, there's a provoking the memory of wandering through the wilderness after the Exodus. So there's something already just in these two geographical terms that makes you go, ah, we're telling an Exodus story. And then Selah. And then he goes, the glory, his glory covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. The brightness was like the sun. And so now you see in the painting that you're living in, this idea that God himself rises up from the east. And as he comes in this big, glorious, like arrival of a chariot through the skies, the skies themselves respond. But then God is not alone, and Habakkuk goes on to say, Before him went pestilence and plague followed close behind. Again, we think the Exodus narratives, because it was with plagues and pestilence that God delivered his people from the oppression of Egypt. And we get this really amazing, like, nature cannot stand in front of this glory of God arriving. There's a bit of a gap. We skipped a couple of verses, but I'd encourage everyone to go and read the whole entire book, but definitely the verses that we skipped in the bulletin. Because in this gap, he goes on to say, there was a ruler who tried to crush us and you came and stripped the evil empire of its power. There was an army that came and tried to scatter and devour us, but you came and smashed them to the ground. You took their weapons and destroyed them. So it's powerful. We've seen this God rising up out of the east and then coming in this very powerful, very, very dramatic way to the salvation and restoration of his people. And then we get to verse 16. Because in the presence of such power, who can actually stand? And Habakkuk himself like we now we come back to the prophet and he goes, even I cannot stand. The, the imagery is really describing what the lived experience is. There's no one who stands straight, tall, and strong before the majesty of such a God. But instead, he feels almost the rottenness of his bones and his strength kind of trembles and fails, right? It's this even I, you just want to fall on the ground before such glory. The next part I love as a geographer because it is 
rich in geography, context, and setting. So Habakkuk now is saying, now that he's painted this great big huge picture of the glory of the Lord, and he says, now I can wait quietly for the day of calamity. It's a bit of a paradox. It's not because he is okay with the calamity that is coming, but he understands the glory of the one he has encountered. And then he says, now let's look around. And in Habakkuk's own context in the hill country of Judah, these items that are listed here are the things that the people used for their subsistence living. This is, these are the actual trees that they grew. And so when he talks about the fact that the fig tree doesn't blossom, there's no fruit on the vines, and the olive trees will fail, he's basically saying all of our subsistence living, all that is green, that is good, that provides for the people of the hill country where we are, it is failing. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And this is the most remarkable verse, I think, of this whole chapter because he turns, and this is still a geographical chapter or a verse where he says, God, the Lord, is my strength, and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Now, this is where every adult in the room needs to be sitting by one of the kids in the room because in their bulletin that they have, they have pictures of the correct kind of deer. This actually is an ibex. It's not the deer that we have here. The deer here are really tall. They have long legs. They're really bouncy. They get in the way of cars. They jump over fences, right? They're quite majestic, elegant creatures. But the ibex, the ibex are different. You have to think more the size of mountain goat. They're a lot shorter. They're really stocky. They have the big doe-like eyes that make you think that they're going to eat from your hand. But they are yet wild creatures. They also have an unnerving, uncanny ability to walk to the edge of a cliff and walk over it in a way that makes you, the spectator, super nervous until you go over to the edge and look down and they're just climbing down what looks like a sheer cliff. The BBC has lots of videos on this. I highly recommend you go look at it. So the ibex are interesting because they don't live in the hill country of Judah where Habakkuk is. They don't live in the land of the farmer where there's pomegranates and olives and vines. They live in terrain that is dry, that doesn't have its brown terrain. It doesn't have food. It's a terrain often that can't support human life. And it's a terrain where they might go down into the valley to get water, but then they climb right back up on the cliff faces. And so what Habakkuk is saying, if we look at this, is he's going, the hill country produce that allows us to survive is failing. But I know you, God. You're the one who can give me the feet like the deer that can get me to the high places. It's not that my circumstances change, but you've equipped me to be in the kind of terrain, even like the wilderness where no one else can survive. It's such this beautiful proclamation of, 
I trust that you will show up. A proclamation I often am not quite sure I can get there, although I do try. What I love about this, going back to the song aspect, is it is the memory of God, what God has done, that allows Habakkuk to get to this point where he can make such a a proclamation of faith. God, I trust you are the one who can give me the feet of a deer. We, belonging in this long history of Habakkuk, we have an additional aspect to this long line of memory that we are uh, evoking because Habakkuk trusted that God would redeem his people. And indeed, God did out of the exile and God brought his people back to a land and God promised to give a Messiah and God gave a Messiah. And at the end of this week, we get to celebrate the birth of this child. And because we've been kind of anticipating Christmas for several weeks, We feel like it's the exclamation point at the end of a paragraph, but the birth of a child is the exclamation point in the middle of the paragraph. Because indeed, the story continues, and then Jesus lived his life, and there was death and resurrection, and God's kingdom came, and then God's spirit was poured out on his people, and we sit in the perpetual advent of what is yet to come. We continue to wait. We continue to wait through um, the gap of, God, I know this isn't as you want it to be. We know your character and what you want. And we sit in that gap and we lament together as a community. And we persistently say, and yet we will wait and sit in eager anticipation of the way you will show up. But the song, the song part about Habakkuk chapter 3 has bothered me a little bit. I mean, not bothered, but like perplexing. So I was like, why a song? Why does it need to be a song? Why does it need to involve the entire community? Until yesterday, I was with a friend of mine, and we were sharing different songs. And then I was like, oh, there's this song by Josh Garrels. I love it. It's called Further Along. And it brought up this memory for me of couple years ago where basically I had that song on repeat because it it claims this further along we will understand. And he goes through the song to say there are troubling things of life and yet further along we will understand. And he concludes the song saying, and one day when the sky rolls back on us, some rejoice and others fuss because every knee must bow and tongue confess. The Son of God is forever blessed. This is the kingdom. We're the guests. So put your voice up to the test. Sing, Lord, come soon. And when I was looking at that, looking at the lyrics last night, I was like, Habakkuk says that. I had never made these connections. It was like, Habakkuk says the same thing. This is who God is. And so as a community, let's put our voices up to the test. Like, God come soon in your wrath, remember mercy, right? It's interesting because I had this song on repeat at a time. I could never honestly claim those words to be true, but there was something about those words that rang true. And so I just played it to be next to someone who could claim those words to be true. So when I thought, oh, this this sounds a lot like Habakkuk, and then I thought, 
this sounds a lot like the song our communities should sing together. Because in all reality, we as individuals do not always have the breath in our lung to sing that kind of faithful song. There is something about, ah, I, like, I love that song. <laughs> there is something not only about that song, this chapter of Habakkuk, the Josh Garrels song, but there's also something similar that we do. Um, in just a little bit, actually, we will stand as individuals, but we come forward as a community. Hmm to remember, to not only remember ourselves as community, but to remember the entirety of the story that we belong to. So memory becomes really important for us because it becomes the foundation on which we stand to make these kind of faithful proclamations. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we know things are not as you designed them to be. We are not the people you designed us to be, but we eagerly lean in towards the fullness of humanity that you can give. So we will say, we know you and your design, and we will trust you. So even if the circumstances do not change, we will trust you to equip us to have what we need to traverse the terrain that we are in. Amen.